Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. My name is Leighton Williams, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theater podcast. Hello, and welcome to Eleven, the official theater podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. He's one of the UK's finest stage stars that knows how to serve it up, thanks to his I Came to Slay mantra. After making his West End debut starring in Billy Elliot, he went on to feature alongside Oscar winner Olivia Colman in Beautiful People, a groundbreaking television drama exploring queer youth and an overwhelming love for Kylie Minogue and stage musicals. Since then, he's made it onto the big screen, snatched awards, most recently including the Black British Theatre Award for LGBT Champion. When the pandemic is over, he will return to his incredible performance as Jamie in the UK touring production of Everybody's Talking About Jamie, a role that he played previously in the West End. So let's get down to it as we've got quite the ride ahead as we talk Jamie, Billy and Olivia, serving face and always bringing everything to the table on any project that he works on, how he's ditching gendered clothing for a more authentic an open world, auditioning for the recently aired production of Rent Live and the pressures of actually taking on a role like Angel and why he's ready to step into the spotlight with a big screen movie musical role, hopefully very soon. He came to slay, so let's go. It's Leighton Williams on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Just to let you know, due to the COVID-19 global pandemic, Leighton and I connected digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, Leighton Williams. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Do you know what? I'm fab. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fresh. I've um, been super busy and I just can't wait for the world to get back to normal to, you know, slay what I need to slay. (laughs) <laughs> how are you we, doing I'm doing all right actually I'm much better for getting the opportunity to talk to you today so thank you so much and I was saying literally just before we started recording that I've got a very specific jumper on today I was trying to figure out what do you wear and obviously I referenced it in the introduction but obviously William and Williams is definitely not too far away so I've got a W jumper on today not, not that you can see this because it's a podcast but you, know, <laughs> you should have somewhere. told me I've actually got one but I'm, yeah I've got one very similar twinsies but we're sort of one step away in name so I feel like we have a connection anyway but thank you so much once again for doing this and this is really exciting for me because I feel like I've sort of followed so many different parts of your career and had the real genuine pleasure of meeting you and interviewing you and seeing you on stage and so many different things so now I get to sort of dive into some of those roles and it is just some of them because the list is long so you've been very very successful (laughs) yes god (laughs) (laughs) Um, but before we talk about the roles I just want to say congratulations because I know that very recently um you did win a Black British Theatre Award for LGBTQ champion, which the fact that that award exists is such a step forward. It's such an amazing moment. And I just wanted to personally wish you, you know, great congratulations on that. How did it feel when you found out that you won? That was the ultimate gag because like you, I was, you know, very surprised that that was even a category, especially at a Black, you know, theatre awards. It's like this, this, for me, you know, it took me a while to fully embrace my full blackness because I, you know, the homophobia is so rife where, you know, my ancestors are from, you know, in Jamaica. So to have that acceptance from the black community and be like, you know, celebrating queerness was like huge for me. But not to, you know, (laughs) do another mic drop, but the year prior to that, I actually snatched 
my first trophy in that <laughs> in that ceremony but that was for best actor mm -hmm. and the reason i'm telling you this is because when i accepted it and my in my speech i basically said i'm very proud as a black gay man to be up here representing and then a year later <laughs> we, we're snatching lgbtq plus moments i was just honestly thrilled and gagged i was gutted i couldn't actually be at the ceremony but you been new I made it work so I could do a pre-record <laughs> at the theatre and I wore a crown. And I'm thinking, people must have saw the VT in the pictures before and been like, if he's wearing a crown, I'm sure he's probably snatched. Do you know what I mean? But and if anyone you. wants to see the outfit, it's literally pinned to the top of your Twitter feed. So literally oh go and look at you in all of your glory because it's an absolute look, which to be fair, like nobody was surprised. Like you turn out looks literally every day of the week. Like you put something, I think it was on TikTok or Instagram the other day of you leaving a theatre and I was like, this is a serve. Like theatres aren't even open and he's still delivering. I was like, come on. Honestly, when I get the chance to stun, it's just like, I love dressing up. I love... Um, just being extra as mm. I think definitely playing Jamie is like maybe come fully into my own when it comes to the fashion I give no fucks about like what people are going to think about me anymore so yeah it's <laughs> if I get a chance to dress up I will change outfits about four times in these events <laughs> <laughs> what's it like there's some uh I'm trying to think what it is now is it a Eurovision host or an Oscars host or something in terms of a ceremony where she literally changed this lady I remember changed literally every time there was an ad break and I was like I want to live in that world where you can have a different outfit for a different not even like day but a different not even part of the, the day, same ceremony the yeah. <laughs> that's so me I did um I co-hosted the Even Standard Future Theatre Fun Awards yep. um which was amazing a few weeks back um but pulled loads of looks and I had them on, I was like, well, I don't want to not wear them just because I, I'm going to wear this look all, the whole time. So I just kept changing. And they were like, oh, continue to, I was like, it's fine. I'll make a reference to it, it's fine. Like, let's just do it. Like, why not, you know? So you got to live, you got to live. It's like, I'm a pro at this. Like, you know, I'll do me, don't you worry about it. <laughs> exactly, yeah, basically, that's kind of low-key rude of me. But I was like, you know what? I know what I'm doing, I'm a bad bitch. I'm going to wear this and you're going to get into it, period. <laughs> <laughs> and people were into it. And I know that it's uh, something that people are really drawn to you in terms of just your visibility in terms of like how you embrace your queerness, how you celebrate your blackness, how you are very unapologetic. And I know obviously we reference about being in Jamie and of course that has helped you on a personal journey. But I guess, do you think you would have got to that place without Jamie? I guess before we talk about specifics of the show, do you think that's a natural development of you or do you think it's maybe, you know, it's helped a little? I think it has helped a little just because, you know, being that person, people see me as that now. And then I'm like, okay, if I go to red carpet, for example, at an event, you know, dressing as a queer person, it's so much more interesting because the way that they label it is very, um, you know, men wear this, women wear that. There's no, there's nothing in between. And when you don't kind of feel like you want to wear what the men, I'm doing inverted commas here, people, you can't see me on the podcast, um, are wearing, it's like, no. I don't want to wear a suit and look literally a black suit with a bow tie with every other, <laughs> I was going to swear then, I wasn't sure they could swear, but we can't swear, but it's fine. With every other person in the crib, like, I want to, I want to be gowned out. I want to gag, do you know what I mean? Um, and I think gone are the days, like, I do see the queens, like, when we walk up to these things, hopefully when <laughs> everything's back open again and people yeah. are way more expressive and for me it was just finding my feet in that and knowing that you know I don't have to um stay on one road and Jamie definitely just made me feel more comfortable like being that me like majorly do you know what I mean whacking yeah. on a cheeky heel 
walking out to the club in my crop top, get into it. So it all kind of happened perfectly, really. It's a slightly different example to use, but I remember watching an interview with um, Paul O'Grady, um, yeah. which Alan Carr's referenced quite a few times, I think, when he interviewed RuPaul, where he said about, like, if Paul didn't come as what people thought he was going to be like, therefore they were disappointed. So are people sometimes like, oh, Leighton's in a tracksuit. I thought you'd be in this all the time. Are you like, I, I you know, it, it fluctuates. I can express mm. myself in different ways. I'm not going to be, you know, turning it out every day every although day. to be fair you probably do let's not pretend that you don't i look you do even if i'm in a track i mean right now i'm wearing leomi anderson the project the purpose get into it it's all about activism for women supporting women she has an amazing platform black iconic model if you don't know her get into her plug um i'm not even getting paid to plug her but <laughs> like even in this track here like i'm feeling 100 when i'm at home most times you know 10 times out of 10 nine times out of 10 who says 10 times out of 10? We can do that. <laughs> no, it's nine. Um, that's just, I'm the type of person that will say like, oh, killing um, three birds with 10 rocks. Like, I just always fuck up like them little sayings. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll be sat on my couch in a onesie. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, when I step out, yes, there is that. Well, Leighton's coming to this event. Um, no, maybe no one even cares or is thinking about it. But in my mind, I'm like, if I rock up not looking hella cute, people are going to be like, are you not feeling well? Even like with my, me as a person, if I'm not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm slightly just even saving my voice or being a little more like demure, people are like, are you all right? Are you not feeling yeah. well? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just not on 100 today. I'm just taking a, a moment. So yeah, when you're always extra, that is kind of like, an, I guess an expectation, but really, in, it's none of anyone's business. I did an event the other day and I was like, it was with Davina and was at the Hope Mill Theatre. Mm. And I was like, why am I going to dress up when she's literally a drag queen? <laughs> I was like, I feel cosy in my two piece cord moment. I was like, and I'm staying in it. I brought the heels, I brought everything. I was like, actually, no, it doesn't need to be all day, every day. Do you know what I mean? So it's about switching it up, light and shade. Definitely. I also think it's really interesting. I know RuPaul has that saying of like, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. And again, it's a slightly different conversation, but I do think that has a real element of truth for society in mm -hmm. that, you know, we set these parameters of like, oh, this is what men are supposed to look like. This is what women are supposed to look like. And when you blur it, people then lose their mind because mm -hmm. they're idiots. But I also think as well, like when you go in the shower and you like brush your teeth and you get dressed up and you iron a nice shirt and you buy, you know, an expensive suit, mm that in itself is a form of how you're choosing to present to the, present to the world. Mm -hmm. So it's like, just because you see that as okay and you don't see what I do as okay, doesn't mean that it, it sort of removes what I do. It's just, it's just different. And I sort of do feel like that conversation is happening more and more. And I don't want to say it's normalized because it's one of the words that I hate more than anything, but it's become slightly more usualized and more sort of common topic in terms of discussions. And I do genuinely think that Jamie has played a huge part in just for especially for people that perhaps wouldn't have that conversation to mm -hmm. be able to understand how to have it. Have you noticed mm -hmm. that more people are just even beginning a conversation with you as opposed to, you know, sort of going in the full nine yards, I guess. Have you noticed that yeah. that is actually happening? People, yeah, people are way more open. People are way more comfortable with having conversations. I do a lot of teaching through my company, mm -hmm. Pros from the Shows. Plug. Um, and <laughs> I say this because it's important because when I speak to these students, I don't just go crack straight on and make sure they know what we're talking about, what we're dancing about. So if we're doing Jamie, for example, I will take them through the tea. And what I usually do is say, someone put your hands up on the Zoom. Oh my God, 
so annoying that like I'm naturally going to Zoom now. Like we don't do things in person anymore. Yeah. How sad is that? <laughs> anyway, put your hand up on this Zoom and let me know what you think Jamie's about. And sometimes I'll skirt around the corners. Some people will just come straight in with the facts and be like, you know, it's about um, being yourself. It's about, you know, being unapologetically you, you know, and it's about this gay kid who wants to da 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 like, but sometimes they kind of tiptoe around it. And I'm like, well, what are we talking about? What's the subject? Same with hairspray. People, oh, it's about a girl called Tracy who wants to dance. I'm like, well, no, let's get into the deepness of it. So people are having what I try to have as many conversations with these young people because they feel awkward talking about race. They feel awkward talking about sexuality. Even sometimes when I say the word gay, lesbian, anything, I could tell that the kids are looking shook because their mum or dad or parents or guardians probably look at them from behind the laptop like, oh God, what's Leighton talking to my kids about? But I mean, we have to learn. If I'm on the Zoom, you best get into it because it's, it's going to be a long old hour if you're not. <laughs> Do you have to have conversations with people about the difference between, you know, just femme presenting boys or, you know, anyone that's LGBTQ versus drag? Because obviously there is a very clear, although sometimes blurred, there is a very clear difference between, for example, the, Jamie obviously does drag in the show, but perhaps mm -hmm. just wants to wear female clothes to a prom. And those mm -hmm. two aren't mutually exclusive. They are different. Exactly. And that's when people are like, yeah, he wants to be a drag queen and he goes to um, prom um, in Dragon. Yes, Jamie knew, sorry, Jamie knew's story, i.e. the Jamie in the play, is different to the real Jamie mm -hmm. Campbell. So Jamie Campbell did go to um, prom in, in drag, but our story is about, you know, him deciding just to go, in a dress because he wants and he, feel com he feels comfortable in a dress. And that's how I feel I'm more like. That's why I think I've resonated it. Like I would stun wearing something feminine, something gorgeous. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a drag queen at yeah. all. Because people tend to say, oh, when are you going on drag race? But when have I ever been a drag queen? Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, I'm not saying, you, we'll never say never, you never know. I know I can whack on a full face and <laughs> y'all better be scared because it will go off. But I'm not, a drag queen, I'm an actor, you know? People get very confused, so it's just about letting everyone know, like, you know, that's that, that's that. Yeah, it's education, really, but we're students of life, you know, forever yes. growing. Every day is a school day. That's one yes. of my favourite saying. Every day is a school day. We've spoken a lot about Jamie, so let's talk specifics about the show, because mm. I have had the pleasure of seeing you do it multiple times when you were part of the West End cast. And yeah, yeah, yeah brought my mum to I was like we, we're gonna go see Layton and she just honestly I don't know if it's the fact that I was just watching my mum more than watching the show because I wanted mm -hmm. to see what she felt like but it's one of my my, no, sort of my most proudest and sort of favorite moments of coming to see a show was was getting the opportunity to bring my mum to see you in it and it does genuinely change lives and I think it's very easy these days to say everyone's a trailblazer and everything's changing lives I think it becomes a little bit overused but actually mm. this show really is breaking boundaries there is nothing like it especially mm. when it comes from a British team it's obviously based on or not completely truthful to a true story which is mm. great but it also brings it into the mainstream and I feel like having queer conversations within understandable echo chambers is fine but unless we're visible and seen that's so important so when you first started doing the show in town mm -hmm. was it quite overwhelming if that's the right word to be overtly queer on a west end show and to be celebrated rather than you know sometimes the stories are so negative it was scary like full stop before we even bring like the the show and what the show means to a lot of people because you know being a lead in the west end show it had only been something I'd done as a kid. So yeah. I was coming in with, you know, 13 years experience now. And, you know, I talked the talk, so I need to walk the walk, you know, I'm 
wearing all these I came to slay merchandise jumpers, but do I slay? Is the tea like, is the tea actually piping? So I put a lot of pressure on myself to be good, to be more than good, to be outstanding. I wanted to um, surprise people as well, because not lots of people saw me as a vocalist or, you know, somebody who could necessarily run a whole show like that, you know? Um, so I was just scared for that. But then I realized that we had a responsibility to go out there and share this authentic story because, you know, our director always used to say, somebody's first, somebody's last. Yeah. You never know, you know, for the first time somebody could be in that audience being inspired by it for the first time, they could go on to be the next big superstar. Or somebody could be in the theater and that could be the last time it changes a little something in them because they might, you know, not make it much longer after that. It's just like, wow, like, these moments are so precious because they do shape people. Even yesterday in a session or the day before, sorry, I had a moment with this kid who basically said, I came to see the show and I loved it so much. As soon as I got out the foyer, I called my friends and family and I came out just like that. Wow. And there's so many stories like that. Like my DMs are popping and obviously I can't really delve into them too much because yep. you know, it's safeguarding, <laughs> but I do browse over them every now and again. And I'm like, wow, like people are really reaching out. And if you're listening to this podcast, I just want you to know I do hear um, and I do see, and I am very thankful. But of course, if I reply to everyone, <laughs> I wouldn't have a minute of the day to myself, you know, but I hear you, I see you and it's so beautiful. And I'm so glad I could be a small part along, you know, with the rest of the team of helping some positive change. Absolutely. And it's something that you've obviously continued on the tour before that very small thing called coronavirus came in and stopped all of the fun. Yeah. But did you find the same message or perhaps was it quieter or amplified more when you then went around the UK out of, you know, the metropolitan bubble of London, which can sometimes be a little all encompassing? I think it was even probably more special because we were taking this show to places where kids didn't necessarily have that experience to see such things, you know on their doorstep. Sheffield was played there for a month. It was so amazing. I had to literally pause for so long. So the laughter would stop. Like they was they were eating it up because it was their it's their show. It's homegrown. It's Sheffield. So many references to like the area. Like literally it there was probably like five minutes added to the show because of the laughter and the applause. They were just lapping it up. And then, you know, even like with Edinburgh we played like just thousands of people as well like obviously the Apollo is fab we love the West End but it is small like people forget that it's only six seven six hundred seats we're playing nearly double that on tour triple that at times quadruple <laughs> I could keep going no because some of these theaters have like two three four thousand seats like when you've got two thousand people screaming at the end of the finale <laughs> you know what's going off do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, come on, Edinburgh! <laughs> Literally feeling like a pop star. But that must have been, I mean, I'm sure it came in the West End as well because it mm. went off oh, in the West absolutely. End. But you you must now, I mean, I hope at least feel comfortable now doing it. You must believe that you as Leighton can do it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It took me a few months, I would say, to like fully be comfortable. And do you know what I started to do? I started to do less. Like, I'd be so... And I was like, oh, 
just breathe, just be present, just listen, just go. I definitely rediscovered a lot more when I went back to do it. I took a holiday. Mm -hmm. I made sure I was taking a holiday. I was like, if I'm going on tour, I need a break. Thank goodness I did as well. It's one of my last ones before you know what. Um, but the tour, did you get to, a chance to see the tour? I haven't yet, no. But I had to actually see Jamie in Sheffield because I went to university in Sheffield, literally ah. um, saw, it was relatively the same production. There's a few changes, but yeah, I saw the sort of the pre-West End. Oh, I saw the press night too. You were probably there. We, yeah, we were probably there together. And obviously the Parsons yeah. Green comment went, I mean, like off, because I used to live not too far away from there. And I was like, really? whoa, okay. And because it always used to make me laugh. I used to think, I wonder what will happen when the show goes to America. You know, it will happen. And yeah. they're referencing places like Parsons Green. They'll be like, oh, that sounds like a nice place. And I'll be like, that's sort of not the yeah. point. It's not gonna, it's not gonna read. No. Yeah. Sometimes I do think with them, when transfers, it's just like some bits are just gonna go right over people's heads. Yeah. Like when we go up to like other venues, we'd like, we'd say lines and that it would be crickets. It just literally depends on where you are. That's yeah. what I love about touring actually, it's fab. Well, I think that the, the plan is for the tour to come back, right? Just in case anyone's worrying, mm -hmm. like we are gonna get to see you play that role again. Yeah, everybody's um, tickets should be getting rescheduled as soon as we are allowed to have theatres open at full capacity. You can't tour at half capacity. It's just not feasible. Every venue is different. Like it would just be like trash. So we, the West End is great and that's getting back up and running because they can do half capacity. But I am there. Like I've got unfinished business. Obviously, you know, you never know what's going to happen in the world, but my heart is still there and in it. It has been two years. So I would like to wrap it up real quick because as much as I love it, you know, there's a certain point when you have to be like, okay, this has been a moment in time and I'm getting older now, 26, plain a 16 year old. Thank you very much, Black Don't Crack, but I need to move on, yeah? yeah. So I am very excited to get on, on, on tour and wrap it up, but then I'm really excited for the future. So, I mean, goodness knows what now, because like I've set the bar so high, I'm like, what am I, what am I even gonna do? But I'm hopeful, I know everything will work out. Did it make being in that show easier or harder when you had a few famous friends come and not just see the show, but actually be in the show with you as well? Because the casting for that show, I mean, literally every sort of two or three months, you'd be like, oh, they've obviously Bam. peaked with Bianca Del Rio. And they're like, oh no, we're going to have Mich Michelle Visage or we're going to have Faye. Or I mean, you're like, geez, like this is becoming the show to get. You know, if you're, mm. if you're a name, get into Jamie because that's the place to be. 100%. I love I love a good stunt casting because it keeps it exciting. The people that come in are actually really talented. Mm. It stays true to the story. Um, and I mean, having Roy, having Shane was just, you know, it was really magical. Roy was so different to what I thought, Bianca Del Rio, everybody. Um, Bianca slash Roy was so different to her, what I thought he would be like because I guess you see that facade, don't you? And just like, oh, bam, bam, bam. But such a humble, kind of gentle at times, knowing that actually this is his first time performing on the Western stage in a full on like musical-esque. We both have mm. something in common because we both played Angel, but this was very different for him. The singing chops, the acting, like it was, I could tell he was nervous. Like he was nervous. And if anything, it was like, oh, wow. Like I'm feeling all right. Like I've, I've been done. <laughs> I, I know what's good. Do you know what I mean? But no, I'd done the show for a few months. So when um, Roy came in, it was actually more us two just bounding together and making it the best it could be for our connection. And obviously it went so well, he came back again. And I think I made a real good friend in um, Roy, like still reaches out, um, asks after us, like 
when them borders are open, I'm going to be flying over to LA to stay in that pad. And yeah, just a really special person actually. And Shane's an absolute hoot. We had a ball. So that's why we were like, right, me, me and Shane, let's get on tour. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was kind of like a, de a decision in that because we bounced off each other. And in a really respectful way to Bianca Del Rio can really act. Like mm. not that I sort of was surprised, but I was like, you're incredibly talented. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes when you come to know somebody for something else, when they sort of go, oh, this isn't the only thing that I can do, obviously, you're like, mm. wow, that's amazing. And it was, it was really fantastic to see. And I sort of felt like it was, you know, like a middle finger to anyone that ever doubts the possibility of anyone branching out into something new or stunt casting. I was like, that's how you do it and do mm -hmm. it really well. Exactly. Um, there's a great team that helps, you know, all of these things happen, but she's a star at the end of the day. So yeah. she knows whatever she puts her mind to, she's signed that contract, she's going to get out there and shine and make it work. So yeah, definitely. And that's exactly what you do in that show. So when touring is up and running again, which I hope is not too far away from now, I really hope. Um, please do go see Leighton and everyone's talking about Jamie because you absolutely will not regret it. It's fantastic. You did reference Angel a second ago and I'd love to talk to you about that because I feel oh, like yes. that might be one of the first times I actually got the opportunity to sort of have a one-on-one -on -one with you and talk to you about mm -hmm. a show. And I'm always a little bit sort of nervous about Rent because I've seen it done so brilliantly and mm. also the opposite. And I always think like, oh, if the message gets lost or it could become, uh, you know, it can become a little bit offensive sometimes when you see mm -hmm. that show and the message gets sort of played around with. So when they said they were having a UK tour of Rent and then obviously there was going to be space in London as well, mm. I was like, and this cast, like this was like the creme de la creme and I was like, this was ridiculous. <laughs> When you get to take on that part and do it on that scale as well, you know, full-scale professional production, obviously get mm. to put your in, your take on it as well, what you mm -hmm. felt was authentic, which was very different to what we'd seen before, which is, I think is why it was so successful. Does it feel like a gift at the time? Do you get to sort of appreciate how special that was? Oh, my goodness. It was a roller coaster, but like one of the, it was a changing point for me in my career. It was like, okay, you're, you're that bitch now. You can do whatever you put your mind to because this was the first role in musical theatre that I was playing a principal is the first time, obviously, apart from being a kid, um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Why don't I say obviously like everybody knows? Yeah, so being a, um, <laughs> so embarrassing. I'll tell being, them in a second, don't worry. <laughs> um, I basically just put everything into it. I was worried about my boys. I was worried about what I would look like in like, I wouldn't say it was full drag really i would say it was just you know gorge and wig and glam full glam let's say mm. glam i was really apprehensive because i knew i was going to bring something different to the role but is it going to work mm. and one thing for sure for me was the choreo is just going to go off like i'm not going to be doing bang 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 jumping off the table as a trick because no shade to the other girls you know it's that's not my tea and the choreographer knew that too. Do you know what I mean? So Lee Proud was not messing about so much so that I did have knee surgery. Yes, I did. So it was a whole experience. And I look after my body way more now, but that was an absolute treat. The cast, I mean, Lucy Jones, Rhino Gorman, who played my um, Collins, he's just the best. Felt very looked after and felt like I was coming into my own in that role. And yeah. A new creative team on an iconic show is one of the best things you could do. Same with the Hope Mail. They took it, run with it, and did their thing. Mm. And I was super, I, I loved it. I was super into it. Um, but it's scary. I was scared too. I was watching it. I was like, please don't trash. Because you just don't know, do you? What it can, it can go so wrong. It was magical. And I think, I think both of our versions in the UK have been some of the best yet.
I think anyway. <laughs> is that really biased? No, not at all. I would agree. I yeah. would agree. Absolutely. Because it takes like a, a modern twist sometimes to really put that that flavour and that sauce in it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a whole it was a whole moment, something I will cherish forever. Kids, turn this little bit off. Was pounding your pussy into the ground while singing and belting and getting paid for it part of sort of the psyche of what you planned to do for your career? Was that always the game or? <laughs> do you know what? It wasn't, but once I got that trick out, a one, two, three turn, split to the floor, it, it <laughs> got the audience going, let's be honest. Mid vocal as well. It was like, boom, 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 boom. Back on the street where I met my sweet. That's when the Beyonce stamina had to come in. I literally used to run singing it. I do star jump singing it because it wasn't a, there wasn't just a dance break. The whole thing was just choreographed. Oh, do you know what? I would love to do it one more time on Broadway and then snatch a, what do you call it when you do, when it comes back all them years later? What's it called? Revival. Revival, yeah. I want to snatch a revival um, Tony for that, please. Mm, Let's put it out there. God, people are going to roll their eyes. I'm talking about this again. I'm such a believer in putting stuff out there. I believe someone listens, even if it's just me listening to myself. I'm <laughs> like, do you know what? I've said, I want to be the new Oprah. I want to be president. I'm yes. doubtful that's going to happen. But I tell you what, a, a Tony revival of Rent, a broader revival of Rent, even with you, I mean, duh. Like, like just fly me just out. Like, I'm, I will pay for my own flight. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I won't even turn left. Just fly. And like, I'll fly out. And do you know what? I actually was in for the um, live um, version, which in hindsight, no shade, maybe I dodged a bullet there because it didn't really end up being... <laughs> but then I'm like, if I was in it, would have been, would it have been cute? <laughs> Is that really big-headed to say? No, at all. But yeah, they, they didn't, yeah. To be fair, they didn't get to do their full performance because someone broke up my leg, so. Fair yeah, that, that, that's sort of the difficult part, isn't it? Where you're like, oh, I sort of feel like they deserved a little bit more than they got. But again, when, it, when it's live, it's live. You only get that one go. That's sort of theatre, isn't it? That's the these, point. These live things, though, like some things are meant to be in a theatre and live. Yeah, fair enough if you've got a camera, spy on the wall, recording it whilst there's an audience and stuff. But these, this new vibe with these, you know, ABC live theatre moments, there's something about it that just... Listen, you could, you could, in a couple of years, you could be like, ha, I remember when you said that and I booked one. Like, I'm not going to be saying no to it, but there's something about it that it, it doesn't quite sit right yet because yeah. it's recording something that's supposed to be on stage live. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And also there is nothing like live theatre. Like, it doesn't matter how great you shoot it, get it, mm. cast it, audio it. It's it's just not the same and it just never will be. So no. while I... I I get it. I'm not mm. sure I... Like, the only one that I've really loved and I've thought, this is the absolute shit, mm. is the Jesus Christ Superstar one that they did with Sarah Bareilles. Because I was like, this is... Oh, I've not seen that one. Because this was done in, like, a sound stage with, like, an epic set. And I was like, okay, this is more about the material rather than, you know, like, Greece to so many in. different locations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, we, we're not that first hairspray <laughs> running about, just, just just pan out, let's see the show, you know? Just give us Ariana Grande doing the top, like, come on, come on. Yeah, give me the notes. I love the whiz, actually. I mean, you did mm. see the camera in the first 10 seconds, but I love the whiz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at us just deconstructing theatre. They're going to be like, look at like, Leighton and William were just slagging off theatre. It's like, no. no. We love it. We love it too much. That's why. Something else that I'm desperate to talk to you about, which is a slight sidestep to theatre, but was actually... Mm a huge part of my growing up so I sort of felt like I have to say thank you to you for this I think you might know what I'm going to talk about but it is beautiful people because like I've done so many articles conversations spoken about I mean I think I sort of need some royalties from that show I've literally helped PR it for all these years yes I mean it's 
I know we joke about things being iconic and a minute ago I was saying like things shouldn't be labeled as iconic and trailblazing and groundbreaking for mm. all the obvious reasons but I feel like that show absolutely deserves you know the platform that it sits on because I still watch it on YouTube now I'm not going to pretend like I don't I still just I go oh you know I can do the theme tune and sing along and like I just think it was brilliant like mm. and it was so ahead of its time again one of those phrases so it was but did you realize what it could potentially do for the industry at the time? Because sometimes I always feel like when you say to people, oh, did you realize it's like, well, no, because you have to do it and let it be seen in order mm-hmm. to realize that it's making change. I remember I was a, a kid at that point. So yeah. I did not like, I was so new. So Billy Elliot was my first job. And mm-hmm. thankfully before, within that moment they let me go and film for people because i i got the job and they could see it was a huge experience so they're like okay we'll give you six weeks off we've got enough billies at the moment go and film so i was like buzzing i'm filming this and i'm going back to billy i felt like such a a child star very Lindsay low um but i was on set and i was like wait a minute what are we actually doing here because nobody teaches you how to act for tv how to act for that like i hadn't even had my professional training yet and all of a sudden i'm you know in the same scenes as olivia coleman like what's going on do you know what i mean but i do appreciate it so much because actually it helped me like as a as a person you know i i was doing it seeing it believing it saying the lines and i was like actually this is so me like let me just be more like this like it's so funny because so many of the characters that i've played have helped that that's why i love playing queer characters because you find more of yourself in them beautiful people was you know my first tv show i got to work with the amazing jonathan harvey and what an incredible cast you know and yeah i think it should go down in history because we were doing the songs the choreo before glee you know Mm. loads of the glee cast actually watched beautiful people uh, which I was really shocked. Wow. Yeah, it's like got like a cult following in America. When I was out in New York um, a couple of years back, people were stopping me like, oh my God, you're in beautiful people. I was like, what? <laughs> like Australia, they love it there. Like it was on Logo TV. So I remember um, the guy that plays Kurt, Chris, I want to say Chris, Chris, uh, the guy that plays Kurt in Glee. Um, oh yeah. Was like, oh my God, loving um, beautiful people, such a BBC junkie, like tweeted it. And that must've been like 15, 16. I was like, oh my God. So I was a huge fan of Glee. When I first met Amber Riley, she, I was gagged and then she started gagging at me and I, I turned around. It was like one, one of them events. I've got a video somewhere, it's hysterical. I was like, is she looking at someone famous behind me? And then I realized she was talking about me. She was like, I love you. I was like, I love you. <laughs> yeah, so. I didn't realize at the time how much of an impact and how far you know the show would go and i mean only had two seasons but to have such an impact on lots of people's lives i mean what i'm just thrilled it's a shame though that nothing really happened for the other actors i mean i think the lady who was the mum yeah she did something i think something called the crown is a bit of a flop bless her yeah and she definitely definitely doesn't have an academy award to her name definitely (laughs) didn't beat lady gaga or anything you know (laughs) she's literally my claim to fame when i um when I think it was the last Evening Standard Theatre Awards, um, I'd had a couple of, you know, Proseccos, or probably mm-hmm. champagne, it was free. Um, <laughs> when, you know, you know, it tastes better when it's free. And I remember going up to one of the um, PR ladies, I was like, get me in to see Olivia, please. They were like, that's not going to be possible. I was like, you need to get me backstage, because I've not seen Olivia in 10 years. I mean, I was like, I'm an old friend. She will appreciate me saying a hello. 
get me back. Like I was so adamant and they were like, okay, he's not gonna leave us until we just do what he says. So they took me back and honestly, I was so glad like, cause I was a bit scared she might not recognize me. Do you know what I mean? She's oh, met okay. a lot of people, but we had a, such a good catch up and she's literally not changed, such a star. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of really inspiring to have known like, you know, we've been in the same rooms together, we've done work together. If she's gone on to do such incredible things and that was her first sitcom, like a lead. It was her first leading lady sitcom moment. So, and my first TV show. So I'm just like, maybe that was a, it was a sign. You know, a second ago when we were talking about like theatre not translating on screen, if mm. you, if anybody has the opportunity to see Olivia Coleman in a play live and you mm. want to feel like the star quality, like you sort of radiate off her, as I'm sure you felt being on set with her, mm. it's like, it's quite something. And I remember watching her at the National Theatre mm-hmm. just being like, this is this is star quality this is literally what you cannot buy it's it's quite something next level really she's, next level she's just i mean i'm obsessed with her anyway i feel like we're going to turn this whole podcast into just me telling you how much i'm jealous <laughs> olivia's of <the> account <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely definitely a lot of those but yeah that's amazing so please do check that out as well because i think you would like me will just absolutely fall in love with it and uh mm-hmm. then Maybe, I mean, I don't know if, if a stage adaptation would work. I don't know in terms of... Oh my God. I've never even thought about that. I don't know if, if, if it's more player or musical. I mean, I mean, there's definitely something there. Maybe it's more of a musical because obviously you've got the Wizard of Oz um, episode as well. So maybe it could happen. Or was it Joseph? Oh my goodness. I'm sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to message Jonathan Harvey right after this. <laughs> He's probably like, babe, I've got it done. Like, I've got it, actually. <laughs> it's Jonathan Harvey, three of his plays. Oh but for those on the podcast, I'm showing Will a Jonathan Harvey three-play moment. Just been, like, looking into, like, his other work. Like, he's so super talented. Definitely. But, yeah, amazing. musical or a spin-off with Kylie in New York. Thank you. Oh, that was the question I was actually going to ask you, was did, did you like Kylie Renaud before you actually did it? Or were you, like, sort of forced to like this poor woman? I was so young, so Kylie wasn't really my tea. But obviously, she's iconic. I love her bops. Um, but, yeah, it was... The real Kylie is called Biddy. I'm okay. not sure who Biddy's, Biddy's and somebody in the back of the day, I think, like a, a pop star. Do, do you recognise that name, Biddy? No. Not really, but... No, oh. I think she's way before our time. But I've actually met the real Kylie, like, uh, numerous times. He's, well, he's called, called Biddy. It's such a hoot. And I met Simon Doonan for the first time in New York at Barney's. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. It was yeah, like yeah. a movie. Yeah. I literally opened up the doors of um, Barney's New York. I got my... I got my people to speak to his people because I was, I really wanted to meet him, but I had to go straight back to Billy Elliot and they all hosted this big dinner with Paul Smith and Simon Doonan and everything. By the way, for those listening, Beautiful People is about Simon Doonan, who was yeah. a window, <laughs> creative director, extraordinaire author, but work was working at Barney's in mm. New York. And it honestly was like, I was a little kid in that show when, when them doors open, I was just like, oh my God, this is, and I'm just on a little bit of a tangent here, but just to let you know, like, Beautiful People changed my life in so much many more ways that people don't know because on the show, I met a lady who I then ended up living with, her and her wife, for 10 years. I only just moved out of their house last year. So whilst I was filming Beautiful People, I wanted to stay in London. I didn't want to go back to Bury. I wanted to find somewhere to live and to train. Italia Conti gave me a scholarship and then Maria and Val, my two lesbian mothers, basically took me in at the age of 14 and that's all through Beautiful People. So I literally had to sit down and thank him because without his story and Jonathan Harvey writing it and me being in it, I genuinely don't know where I would be today. Mm. So 
it's kind of more than a show. It's like a, it's, it's changed my life. Wow. That is a good chapter of a book that you need to put down because that yeah, is, that's I the kind of one. That's I'll get one. right in. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually my new phrase at the minute, which is, oh, this will make a good chapter of the book. You know, trying to find some, some hope in, in the madness out there. But absolutely. Yeah. I'm not sure about writing an autobiography. It always seems, always seems like too emotional. I'm always sort of like, no, I'm thank so, you. <laughs> I'm like kind of like here for it. I do so many Q and A's. I'm like, can someone just write this down, please? Because <laughs> we'd, we'd have it now. <laughs> One thing that you have spoken about a lot was that first gig in Billy Elliot. So let's just touch on that because that show, like, I feel like I'm repeating myself and I'm just going to introduce all of the stuff that you've done with how amazing and how groundbreaking, how historic it was. But like seeing that show, apart from the fact it nearly gave me a nervous breakdown, like I was just like, this is too sad. Like my heart actually mm. broke watching that show. It's camp and it's so fun. And I do do smoke Mr. Braithwaite every day. Like that's my favorite thing to say. Is it? <laughs> I, I love that. I think because when I saw it, it was just so camp I was like mm. okay that's camp like I love that and it was so real camp but obviously a West End show like so young you know in terms of like a professional gig and obviously the the film was so obviously so successful like it was mm -hmm. ridiculous and I think like most things when you adapt it for the stage you go oh god please don't ruin it or you know don't yeah. change it in a way but I think Billy Elliot is probably one of if not dare I say the best adaptation of something that's been a movie and obviously into a musical and, and so forth I believe, because I wrote literally just down before that you're the second longest running person to ever. Yeah. Is that is that still true? Yeah, it's true. Because, I mean, that's a, that's a huge achievement in itself. I know. Do you... I played the part for like roughly almost two years. They were oh not gosh. getting me away. You, you were like, I'm I was staying. like, I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, honestly, it was just the beginning of everything for me. It taught me work ethic. It taught me how to be a leading man from the jump. So, you know, I, I had the experience of holding a show on my two shoulders, like from day dot, you know? And I was so new to the industry. I'd only been training for roughly a year. Like I've just been having fun doing dance class and I just rocked up to this open audition with thousands of boys. And funny enough, my producer, Nika of Jamie, told me that Stephen Daldry at press night, which I'm sure you're probably there of Jamie, um, <laughs> was there and she was like, oh, Stephen Daldry, what are you doing here? He was like, oh, I've come to, see Leighton, come to support Leighton because, you know, he was one of my billies and he saw something in me and he was like, there's, there's something in this boy, there's a star there. I don't know how because, you know, when it came to the ballet, the tap, the things, they said, if you don't do it, just pretend. So best believe I was pretending. <laughs> and I still feel like I am now, like literally faking it till I'm making it. I'm out here, jack of all trades, master of none, but <laughs> it seems to be working so far. So it was just, unbelievable but at the time the stakes were so not as high for me because I had nothing to compare it to so that was mm -hmm. the beauty of it didn't even think too much about the color of my skin and the fact that even the older person of me was white and my mum was white and my dad was white and all that I just didn't give a shit I was just like Do you know what I'm getting paid 250 quid a week here I'm loaded <laughs> like literally I was like wow I'm rolling in it me and my family balling around Harrods Probably should have saved it, but never mind. We lived. <laughs> and you did get to do a performance. I don't know if you were in the show together, but with Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland, because you were around yes. the same sort of time as well, which I guess he's done relatively well, sort of like Olivia. He's done all right, hasn't yeah. he? I was walking in WH Smith to get Gay Times magazine, and I, because, oh, it's right here, actually. I had like a little um, feature moment in it, and I walked past GQ, and he was just on the front of it, and I was like, of course, of course you are. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, come through, come through. 
Is it nice also when you get to work on projects like Bad Education, because you obviously get to flex between live performance, but then also working on television, which I can imagine on the acting side of, of yeah. you means that you get to progress in loads of different directions rather than, you know, you know, directly or indirectly get pigeonholed into one specific genre of performing. I know that lots of people do think I predominantly do theatre, but really, if you look at my CV, it just reflects very much so 50-50. I, mm. You know, during this lockdown, I've managed to, well, I'm filming again in a couple of months. Um, I've done a TV show. So two TV shows within this year, which is quite big for me because it's been a while since I've been back on the screens. One's like a full BBC One moment with Greg Davies. Oh. I mean, Helena Bonacart has got her own episode. I've got my own episode. So it's, it's a moment, you know? Yeah. And th- that... That booking that for me was actually like, yes, okay, like, you, you're back. Like, you know, Bad Education was just a whirlwind because it's the first time I've been in like a sitcom that just kept another episode, another episode, another episode, a movie. Um, so it definitely made me comfortable now when I step on set, I know what I'm doing, I know where I'm going, I feel relaxed. Just like if I step into a theatre now, it's very much so like, but I do want to push myself more, I want to challenge myself more, I want to... I, I need to be in these musical movies. I just don't understand why mm. it's not clicking. Somebody call my agents of Curtis Brown and let's go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, yes, um, obviously I've done a couple, you know, Rocket Man, Jamie, but you know, she's, she's doing backup. She's there just making other people look pretty, which is fab yeah. and humbling and cute and fun, but let's make it right. Yeah. <laughs> Come through. So if you're a casting director or director listening to this, at me, cause I'm good for it. <laughs> And I'm dying for it. <laughs> Beyonce, I am. That's what he's saying. Everyone, you know. People can think I'm so cocky. I'm only, this is how like half in jest, by the way, guys. But like, do you know when you, you know, like I can dancing act and I've done the TV and the theatre. So I love doing it all in one. Beautiful yeah. people taught me that, you know, being on set of Rocket Man, like when Elton John's blaring and we're dancing to these iconic songs, it's it's the best feeling because you're putting all of your talents in one place and you're going, bam, so that's what I hope for the future. It will happen. I, you know, time is, like, it's never happens quite as quick as we want it to, sadly, mm-hmm. but it will happen. I know there'll be a another billboard because I've seen your face everywhere across the West End in the country. It's like, can't <laughs> escape him, but yeah, it's, it's you're going to be there. And the other thing that I wanted to ask you actually was just about you as an individual. You do have this great sense of positivity and a positive outlook on life. And I know we spoke about the fact that you can't always be 100% who is. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, I guess, when you feel most authentic, you feel happiest. And when you tackle the world, I guess, Mm -hmm. where do you get your strength from? Because it's very infectious. And actually even getting, you know, the sort of last 55 minutes to talk to you, I feel better in myself having done this conversation. I think that's one of the reasons why people love you is you are a very positive person. The thing for me is just being myself has, I think, helped that. I got to a point where I was trying to please other people. I was trying to fit into this, fit into that. And as soon as I said, fuck this, let's just like be. And, you know, really test myself in all these different areas, not limit myself. I don't limit myself. I celebrate myself. I have a great friendship group around me as well. I mean, my friend, John Jordan, We've all played um, Jamie and we're literally all best friends. It's just peculiar. Like my friends Liam Moa, star of Matthew Bourne. It's just like so inspiring to have like your chosen family. So I moved here when I was 12 years old. So they have been the people that have brought like, like picked me up when I've got been down. And I think that's what kind of makes me strong and happy, you know, the, the, the support group around me. Because, you know, our friendship group is like, 
it's the most positive thing ever. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll just drop a photo shoot in there. Tell me which one you think is the best. Like, and there's no shade. It's not like, oh, oh, like, it's like, yes, bitch, you look cute. Like, yes, pick this one, pick that one. Oh my God. Like, we just lift each other up. And mm. not a lot of people have that kind of like group where they'd really just have each other's back. So that's been something that's definitely um, helped. And I guess just, just being from, you know, small town, running around my council estate, having this life now is like, I don't, I don't really take it for granted, especially after this pandemia. So I am like, every day is quite truly just special. So I just try to um, appreciate everything that I've got and spread love and let the kids know, especially, you know, if I can do it, you can do it too. You know, um, you're only one yes when your life changing forever. So remember that and just keep going. You've been listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast. Find out more about Eleven at elevenpodcast.com or via our official social channels. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.